Welcome to Bow Talks, a podcast by Banking on Women, which is a student society at the University of Melbourne. We are dedicated to empowering, educating and encouraging our members in the financial and professional services industries. Bo would like to respectfully acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulon Nations, who are the traditional custodians of this land, on which we will be recording this podcast on. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello everybody, welcome to a new episode of Bo Talks this week. So today we've got Rika from Flagstaff Partners here with us and she's going to share a little bit about her journey. So Rika, over to you. We'd like to know who you are and what your passions are. Right. Well, I am actually very glad to come back to uni after mm-hmm. so long. Um, I actually asked two people on the way here, who were like, where is Bowie <laughs> Library? Like, I felt like I knew where to go, but I was just not sure what's where, what, like, what's the best place yeah. to find it. Um, but like, it still smells the same to me. It's just really odd. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> I think just I the smell that. of old books, to be honest, yeah, it's just yeah. it's still the same. So that, that confirms she definitely did go to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like maybe in 10 years when you come back, you probably feel yeah. the same as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, really happy to be here. Um, obviously, we had a bit of a chat this week as well, mm-hmm. the early of this week. So really happy to come here um, and maybe just a little bit about myself. Um, obviously, I went to Melbourne Uni, um, graduated a long time ago, 2014, um, and I did Bachelor of Commerce, uh, majoring in Finance and Accounting. Awesome. Um, then I graduated and was like, oh, I don't know what to do, to be honest. Um, what's next? You know, like, yeah. you, I think when you were in uni for three years, you were so focused on studying, and then like three years flew by. You thought three years was going to be a really long time, exactly. but it didn't feel that way. Exactly. Before you knew it, I graduated and then I didn't know what to do. So, you know, I applied to the JD program to do law, awesome. um, not really having any, you know, family members who had done law or anything mm. similar. But I just thought, you know, maybe it's like it's an it's an interesting subject to learn. Um, and then I did it and it mm. extended my degree for another yeah. three years, yeah. you know, I had some regrets along the way like oh no like this is another three years and I've just done another, a, a three-year degree but you know I think uni was just a it's something that I think everyone will always remember in their yeah, lives you know sure. um so looking back I felt like it's it's never a, a time wasted to study mm. it's always mm. fun you make a lot of friends so yeah so then I graduated from JD, I think in 2017. Yeah. So I've been, I've been out. I've been, I guess, officially an adult for six years. Six years <laughs> yeah. awesome. Awesome. Oh, nice. So, seems like you obviously spent a lot of time studying yeah. and uh, gaining experience in different fields, and uh, you then went on to kind of, like you said, did a grad program at NAB as well. And yes. So yeah. tell us more about your career journey since graduating and yeah. how that's flown on. Yeah, so I think probably um, what might be relevant for for students um, who are listening would be, I think when I was doing law, um, actually maybe stepping back, when I was Mm -hmm. doing my commerce degree, I did not look into any internships. I don't know. I think I was... I was actually very young when I did uni, so I started uni when I was 16. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. Amazing. Is that... How come? <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a long story, so I'm actually from Bali. Yes. Um, I went to a school where they, they do, um, like, a Cambridge curriculum. Okay. Uh, it's like a GCSE. Right. Yeah, um, yep, yep. That's what they call it, GCSE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you do have, like... Um, like a final test um, mm. when you're in your 10, 11, and 12. Mm-hmm. 
and it's quite good because after you finish your year 10 you kind of get like a qualification it's like a GCSE right. qualification right. even though you've only finished year 10 so with that then I use my year 10 qualification to apply to uni oh, um, amazing. Then, okay. I don't know I think I, yeah it was just like I don't know whether I was gonna get in but I got in um, which was great because then I had a bit more time to figure myself out but right. at the same time as well I think looking back now being 16 and everyone was 18 mm. um, it was it was weird I think at the same time like I felt like I had to pretend like I was not 16 when I was in uni <laughs> oh, no. um, okay. so I kind of probably I've lied about my age a couple of times <laughs> when I was in uni um, yeah but I think I was so young that I did not actually know what I wanted to use uni for I just okay. felt bored uh, of <laughs> high school so I was like I just don't want to go to uni so I didn't look into any career pathway um, I did commerce because I did pretty well in sort of commerce yeah commerce yeah. subjects in high school so no no any particular reason whatsoever um, attended a couple of these like um, career events yeah. but nothing really resonated and maybe that was part of the reason why I wanted to do postgraduate because mm. I felt like I needed more time for myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had the time as yep. well, so I finished when I was 19. Um, then I think when I was at JD, then that's when I tried to figure out what I wanted to do for my career. Hmm. Really enjoyed my, you know, law study, especially in public law. I was actually okay. surprised because I thought that if you've done commerce, you probably are more like into Numbers like commerce and, law. Yeah. yeah, those kind of stuff. M&A law. Yeah. yeah, which I actually did enjoy, but something about public law that was really fascinating. So for, for a brief period of time, I thought, do I want to just like be in like academia, for example, mm. or do I want um, a career in public law? Um, and then in the second year, the second year of JD is where everyone applied for clerkships. Mm. Um, it's like a really intense period where everyone was some reason applied for the same yeah. things, even though like yeah. you probably don't actually want to do it, but <laughs> there was a pressure, like you just have to apply for it. Yeah. Um, so I did when I did go through that as well because everybody did it. Yeah. Um, I think it was quite tough because um, I only got one I think return offer, so one offer for a clerkship mm -hmm. in construction law. Okay. So it was a bit of like a lot of like litigation, construction litigation. Which I realized was not really my strong point. To fair be enough, honest, fair enough, a lot of yeah. readings, a lot of like case law readings. Yeah. Um, it was still a good experience because you know you get to learn about that. Then after that period, I was just I don't really know what to do. Like <sighs> I feel like is is law really the right career for me? I like studying it, but it's not it's not the same as working in the yeah. field. Um, then I felt so lost. <laughs> it was in my third year. Yeah. Again, like I felt, oh my god, I'm about to graduate again. I don't want to go through the same thing that yep. I felt when I graduated from commerce. So then, um, one of my friends at law school who had done um, investment banking said, "I think you should like look into investment banking. Sure. It's a it's a really good option. Um, there's a lot. Of, I think this, it's not a lot, but there are a couple of people who did law ended up being in banking anyway. Yep. So it's like I think there's a good of transfer transferable mm. skills. Um, so." Uh, did not know anything about investment banking at that yeah. time because that was no, never something that I was looking into. Um, applied for an internship at a firm. Um, then for some reason, I got into it. Yeah, the interview questions were very hard. Um, and I think what was quite surprising for me was that when you applied for investment banking, you applied, you put in your CV and yeah. then they actually called you tonight. Yeah. And <laughs> I thought, I think what I'd heard, um, with other experiences was that you 
there's like a, a period of time where you can submit your CV and yeah. then there's a there's a deadline and then it'll take you know, a week and then they'll call you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I was so surprised I put my CV in a call I think they called me at like 7 or 8 p.m. at night oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and then they asked me do you want to come for an interview tomorrow <laughs> and then I panicked I remember I panicked I was like oh my god like how do I prepare for this mm. um so how did you prepare for it uh, to be honest, I think when you were, I think that's the good thing about actually being a uni student, you know how to cram. Um, so I just crammed <laughs> okay. that night and just like look nice. at all resources yeah. online. Yep. And then was very nervous, went in there, pretended not to be nervous yep. and just yep. tried to answer questions that I could. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember, I think there were so many difficult questions that I just had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I managed to get you know into the next round and the next round and then got the internship it was it was a really good internship Mm -hmm. um I think I really learned a lot but having no knowledge of the career itself and having no connection or no networking that I've done in Mm. in the space I probably did not have um a good idea of what the day-to-day would look like right and it was pretty intense it was pretty intense in the sense that I was like oh gosh this is like like long hours um long hours and then like you are kind of forced to be mature very quickly Mm. and be professional and I found that that's probably a struggle coming from uni Mm. where the environment is quite different I think for you obviously you've done a lot of these community styles Mm. you know you you know how to interact with people professionally whereas I didn't have that at all um so that was tough and then I thought yeah, the internship was great. I learned a lot, but I did not think that I was ready to commit to anything. Hmm. Then I was like, oh, no, I'm like, what do I do next? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so now what? <laughs> yeah, now what? And then then I just applied to NAP, I think. Yes. It was that time when um, NAP application was open. Um, I applied to the grad program. I think you were interning or doing part-time there as well. Yes, yeah. yes. And the good thing about NAB was that there were so many options. Yeah. I think you could do banking, risk, um, I don't know what else. Tech, regulatory. Yeah, there, there's a lot of the, options. Yeah. Um, so then I applied to the risk graduate program. Mm-hmm. The reason why I did that was the I think you can do um, like a rotation in the rec team, the regulatory team. Okay. And I thought it might be a good crossover between you know commerce and a bit of law and see how it goes. Um, really got that role. Um, I was there for eleven months. Yeah, half of which was in like banking ish risk. Okay, and then half of it in regulatory. Mm-hmm. But I think I did not feel like. It, yes, it was in between, but I did not feel like in between was good what for you me. Wanted? Yeah, because yeah, I feel like you get a little bit of both. But mm-hmm. not enough at the same time as well. Maybe I was greedy, to be honest. No, you know what? <laughs> like it's so your journey is so unique, but it's also so relatable at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah. It, like going through uh, figuring out things you like, but then trying and being like, actually, no, it's it's not what I expected, and not what I like. Like, yeah. it's it resonates a lot, at least with me, and I'm sure with some of our listeners as well. So yeah, I know. yeah, I <laughs> definitely know where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, so that that was weird because I thought that was it, right? I thought what I wanted was a combination but it mm-hmm. was not that mm-hmm. so then to fill my time I um, did my first level of CFA when I was okay. at NAB um, I think at NAB it was pretty good because um, you have pretty regular hours so which means that I have regular window to study right um, so that was a good opportunity for me to just like really put my heads down and um, 
you know, study for, I think it was like four or five months before my first test. Yeah. Um, and that was a good way for me to get a bit of the number back on, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. especially when I was in, in regulatory, I didn't see a lot of number because it's more gotcha. like just looking at um, changes in the regulation, interpreting that. Um, so it was for me to find that balance, I think. I think that was a good experience, CFA, because it made me realize that maybe the number side is the one that, um, I think you know it, like when you do something you like, you just feel differently yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that CFA experience. Mm -hmm. um, then from NAB, um, I met with a KPMG partner Amazing. through just, I think, networking events. Um, then I asked him to catch up again, and then he said, would you like to apply? Um, I think they were looking for an analyst at that time, and then I applied, I got in, and then spent, I think almost three years actually at KPMG. Yeah. And what, like, deals or teams? Yeah, so the, I think, two years-ish um, in restructuring. Okay. Um, then M&A after that Wonderful. at KPMG, Wonderful. and I moved, I think, just around COVID, I think, to M&A. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and then stuff, obviously. <laughs> and then stuff after that. Yeah. Wonderful. Quite the journey. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I know. I, it's really like, I don't know. It's unique. Very unique. I didn't know you started uni, uni at 16. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a pro in a way that you had that extra time to yeah. figure out and wiggle around, try things. Yeah. Um, but like you said, sometimes you felt like you were trying to be 18. Even yeah, though you I, yeah, I yeah. think so. Maybe that, maybe I was not really being myself most mm. of the time as well and I think if may, I don't know someone asked me if you were to turn back time would you <laughs> do it again yeah yeah um maybe I think maybe, I, yeah. I, I do it again I think uh, maybe I'll do it again but slightly differently sure okay. may, maybe I'll have I'll try to get more support system because okay. obviously you need it but I think I was just probably a bit arrogant I was like oh I can do it myself you know like I don't care I don't need help so I think I had that a bit of an attitude growing up but yeah I think I think I would do it again but I think I would admit to people and try just try to find more support to help yeah. me I think I like that yeah no again I I completely relate yeah. I have a very close set of like friends and like you know my my committee friends yeah. and stuff that I you know anytime I get have an issue they're my go-to but it's it's intimidating asking for help when everyone yeah. around you seems like they know what they're doing and they're getting yeah. all these like amazing internships and you're like oh like can someone help me out it's it's a bit daunting so yeah don't think it's an attitude <laughs> I think I know where you're coming from so obviously you spent heaps of time moving around exploring different fields mm. different industries until you struck the right balance and it wasn't quite the balance right you said it wasn't equal equal it was more so the numbers side so yeah that's right for people who are in a similar situation whether they're at uni or recent grads and stuff and they're trying things out not sure what sticks not sure what works from your experience like what's one piece of advice you'd like to share to them to help them figure that out i think maybe just looking back i think um the feeling of being lost and not sure was not a good feeling at all yeah. um but i think i think what i probably will tell people who felt that way was that it's a bit of a cliche but I think time will help you and mm -hmm. time and experience or just experimenting with things will actually help you. So if you feel stuck and if you feel like you try something, it doesn't quite land and then you try a different thing, it doesn't quite land. Sometimes it takes more than like three times or more to find something that you really like. Mm -hmm. um, but 
there's and you will know how it feels like i think it's hard to describe but you just feel more motivated you feel more curious about something you feel like you want to do extra work on right. top of like your like you know the minimum requirement right, right. so you naturally will just um excel at something that you like mm -hmm. and you will know how it feels so mm -hmm. i think that's what i was gonna i'll tell people that's that's a really good point yeah i can definitely take that on <laughs> <laughs> um and uh another like common conflict i think uni students face mm -hmm. is managing you know academics and excelling at that uni part of life but also gaining work experience and having something credible, building your resume so that when you do apply for the job, you know, you've got a balance of both skills. Mm. You obviously excelled at that. You had so much experience um, at uni and academics, but also trying your internships and clerkships and everything else. So again, based on your experience, which one do you think kind of served you better um, later down your career? Was it the work ex and getting that real life experience or did doing the degrees and having more time at uni really help you make that decision um i think a bit of both i think uni um teaches you skills that are fundamental to mm. work um not i would say that not necessarily the content of uni itself i think it's good to teach you the basic but i think the skills itself in terms of you know reading you know like writing your assignments yeah. it just it goes along the way i think when someone say oh uni is not important i think i kind of disagree with that because that's when you learn to do all these things and actually being accountable. Yeah. You know, stepping from high school to uni, you had more responsibility, you have to be more independent. So that, that itself sets you up. Um, but at the same time as well, I think gaining work experience, whether it's in corporate or actually work at Nando's for, for a year, yeah, you know, yeah. you have that um, customer facing experience, yes. which will then translate to client facing experience when you're in the office. Got you. Yeah. Um, and just working in a team and what like you guys are doing are really great, like community, because you have to run an organization. Um, there's a lot of leadership skill. Um, there's a lot of communication skill because you have mm. to talk to people outside of uni, right? So yeah. you understand um, that path of being really organized, presenting yourself well. Yeah. Um, so having that balance is really great. And I think I think often the there are, um, I guess the uh, the view that you have to get like a corporate internship, you have mm. to get a corporate part time job. Mm. That itself is good because your CV looks good, right? I mean, let's be honest, it just makes your CV looks better. But it's not. Um, sometimes people just get lucky and they mm. just it's just the right time, right place, and you just get that. But sometimes it's a little bit harder, especially you know you have you have um opportunities where you're like you need to have experience to be able to apply i'm like i'm a uni student yeah. what experience do i have <laughs> that's ex exactly my point yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so sometimes you just get lucky sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to get into yeah. like corporate part-time or internship but i think um that in itself i think it's a matter of demonstrating that yes you don't have experience yet mm -hmm. in the corporate world but you have all of these soft skills that you've developed from various different stuffs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's about selling yourself. Yeah. Um, and I find that sometimes people sell themselves quite short. Mm. Um, I think you just have to take notes of today or like this year, I had organized five events for, right. for this committee and just reflected on how difficult it was and like the problems that you actually faced and then listed down those problems and how you solved it. I think when you actually mm. take stock of those things, you realize that you've actually learned a lot and you have 
actual skills that you can actually sell yeah. and will be applicable for you know your future employers that's such such a good point i actually someone told me that very recently and i used it for interview prep like yeah. that was so I have, I'm very much a type A person. I love my to-do list, oh, I yeah. love my calendar. <laughs> so what they recommended was like, if you're coming up short, look back at your calendar, look back at, flick through your like, yeah. to-do list book and like, look at how many things you've checked off. Yeah. So um, just adding on to that point, like once you sit down and sometimes you're just so busy getting things done, you don't realize how much you're yeah, getting done. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So taking that time to reflect is super important mm. and um, it might even feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. You know, the one thing that my dad said to me that always resonated with me was that, because I think especially with ambitious people, you always look up and forward. Yeah. You're like, I'm not good enough. Um, my peers are like ahead of me. How can I improve? How can yeah. I improve? I'm always down here. Like, it's so difficult. And then my dad said, it's not about, you sometimes, yeah, it's good to look up and forward, mm. but sometimes it's good to look down mm. and also backward to see what you have achieved. Because that just keeps you sane, to be honest. Yeah. That just keeps you grounded. That just makes you feel like, yes, I have achieved things. I do want to achieve more. Instead of, I'm not good enough. I yeah. want to achieve more. I'm not yeah. there yet. Yeah, 100%. I, I love that. Um, we're switching gears a little bit. Mm. Uh, we'll talk more about your CFA certification. Yeah. So uh, when you mentioned that, I, I've heard the term CFA around junior a bit, but I've never quite grasped what it mm. is and why people do it and just the whole general idea of it. So... You've obviously done it. level one and two. Is level that one right? and two, yeah. Yeah, that's right. awesome. So tell us more about what it is and what kinds of what profiles of people normally complete a CFA. Um, so I did that after I finished JD. So okay. when I was at NAB, um, I know that some peers did it the same time that I did when I was at NAB. So there mm -hmm. were a couple of people from the graduate cohort at NAB that did the same thing. Um, but I knew that I think I had uni friends who did it when they were in their third year. Yeah, wow. um, I was surprised to hear that. I didn't, I didn't yeah, even know it was yeah. like an option. They found it easier actually to do it in uni mm. because I think according to people, at least at that time for commerce, second year was the hardest. Okay. And then third year, I feel like people have gotten used to uni. Mm. So I think they've, they have a rhythm going. And then third year, I think they're managing that uni and studying part quite well then they use that I guess spare capacity mm. to then just use CFA which was great because then when they finished with uni or like their three-year commerce degree they also already had like a CFA level one wow yeah um then I think for them it was easy in a sense of I think CFA the way that I would describe CFA I think the content itself was a bit of um everything to be honest mm -hmm. there's a corporate finance derivative securities investments I don't know what else you study in uni but <laughs> accounting as well okay um and ethics so there's like ethics oh, as well in right. there okay. so it has a bit of everything which was great because it's like doing a degree but kind of condensed mm. um so if you do it together while you're in uni you see everything is still fresh in your mind yeah. um and then if you, and then you have a group of students as well who are doing it with you so you mm -hmm. can also have a study group and discuss things um Straight out of uni is also great if you think, especially if you think that your current role or your current graduate role is, you know, it's great, but it's not like the one, you mm. know, and then you might use further study, whether it's CFA or otherwise, um, to see, it's just a test, because like studying, if you like studying something, there's a good chance that you might like doing it in the future. Yeah. So that's, I think yeah. that's what I use CFA for, more so than just to get another degree. 
Um, my second level, I did that while I was at KPMG, um, mm-hmm. while I was in restructuring. Mm-hmm. That's when I had this like um, feeling, is it IB? You know, that, that mm. feeling of like IB coming back. And mm. to test whether I wanted to do it, I used my CFA level two because it was more... I think level two was more like corporate finance whereas okay. level one was more a bit of everything, just like the foundation. Intros too. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I really, really actually, I did not enjoy my level one because I think it was, there was just too many things too going broad. on. Okay. Yeah, too broad. But um, level two was more corporate finance and that's how I felt like oh, I actually like studying corporate finance again. Mm. Um, so that pushed me into that's like looking again into investment banking yeah. as a career. That's awesome. I, I yeah, that's great how it um kind of influenced your future decision making yeah. as opposed to I feel like a lot of people already know what they want and then they do like qualifications and stuff yeah. to like support them reach that goal. But whereas yeah. this kind of worked the other way, you yeah. did it and then it influenced. But CFA you. is um I'm not, I'm not sure whether I got this right, but I think it's either highly preferred or even like a requirement for um, portfolio management, investment management. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you, for example, really know that's what you want to do, yep. I think maybe look into CFA because, I mean, it's it's good. I think it's um, you can be independent in terms mm-hmm. of studying it. There's no commitment. Whereas with uni, yeah. it's like a structured program. It has yeah. to be three years. Whereas with that one, you can do level one and then take a break and then yeah. do level two, take a break. Or in my case, I have been in a really long break since yeah. my level two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you yeah. found Ivy. It, it, wait, I actually really wanted to ask that. Yeah. You said you were like trying to strike the right balance between the law, essay, kind of yeah. analytical side and the numbers side of IB. Mm. Do you reckon you found it now, or I think so. Is this it? Yeah, like... I, I think I think this is it. To be honest, um, I think I would say that in my role now, I think I probably look at numbers seventy five percent, and then words 25 percent although that 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 mix sometimes changes yeah, of course. i've been um i've been working for six years now so i'm an associate so awesome. it's not as much number crunching anymore now mm-hmm. it's more relationship starting to be more like relationship building um so there's more you know soft soft skills writing emails um yeah more more of that so Still, I still look at the numbers because I still have to review numbers, mm-hmm. but not produce things Got in numbers you. as much anymore now. Understood. Do you, is that nicer? <laughs> um, Very candid question. <laughs> yeah, I think, is it? Someone asked me actually, is being associate better than being yeah. an analyst? Um, it is, the good thing about that is you have um, slightly less hours, work, okay. contact hours. Okay. Um, I think now, I think I have a pretty good regular schedule of like nine to ten, um, mm-hmm. which is good um, because then I can work and schedule my life around that yeah. that schedule. Yeah. Um, but I think what I find quite challenging now, I'm in my second year of being an associate. My first year was like a transition period. Yeah. The first six months was okay because I think we I was not extremely busy in my first six months of being an associate, which was a good time for me to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this year has been very, very busy for me where a lot of different projects are either medium or high intensity at the right. same time. Okay. Um, I think it felt like when I had four high intensity projects happening at the same time, it felt like you're being pulled in like four different directions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it, it felt like that for a, for a brief moment. Well, not really brief, to be honest. A couple of months. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, 
because I think the challenge of I think in in when you're at this level is that you have to be accountable not mm. just for your own work but for um your like more juniors yeah, work yep. um which means that your role is now reviewing as well as doing things as well as answering to your directors Understood. Yeah. um it's hard to find a balance but i think i think i've sort of started to nail yeah. it okay. i think what i found is that you have to know other people's schedule mm. um okay. so say for example the directors would be most active during the day mm-hmm. so if you want to give them something to review you make sure that you give them during the day like preferably in the morning so that if mm. they come back with more comments they can do it before they go home for example okay. but if i want to review something for an analyst i know that they usually um you know they, their contact hours are a bit longer so mm-hmm. they're usually around um at night as well mm-hmm. so which means that during the day i focus on the md stuffs okay the managing yeah. director stuffs and the client stuffs because yeah. that's the contact hours then I made sure that if I want to give something back to the analyst, I want to give it like around you know six seven p.m. So yeah. then they have time to process it overnight, and then I look at it in the morning. Overnight. And then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not always overnight. <laughs> Only if it's urgent, then yeah. I'll take. Can you please like yeah. it overnight? But if it's yeah. not urgent, we can look at it in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then there's a cycle where they're done. I look at it in the morning, early in the morning. Then I can get to the MD. MD. Yeah. During midday, so there's like that so cycle like that you cycle have to manage. Going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, at least there's some kind of like regularity set in stone that you can yeah you can and, fall back on. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone is different to be honest, mm. and depends on if you work on different projects, you work with different people, so you just have to find that that good rhythm that yeah. will suit everyone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you said, you're now an associate. Some people would assume it's easier because you're higher up but just like you described there's a lot more responsibilities a lot more things you're managing as opposed to just your own work so um how do you keep a work-life balance in such a demanding like environment in an industry like investment banking um by (laughs) (laughs) i think i I think i have to be honest there are there are periods where like i feel like i'm just in survival mode okay and you just you just want to get the day done right. and do as best as you can. Right. There are those periods where like, things are just, you know, just feel harder than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but how to keep that work-life balance is, um, so I, I see things as like a triangle, like career, social, and health. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you, th- those are my three priorities. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard to get all three perfect mm-hmm. at the same time. So you almost have to pick two or two and a half mm. at one time yeah. and really do a good job in prioritizing those two and two and a half. Yeah. And then when you have a bit of time to not put so much time into one, then you focus on the other piece of the triangle. Um, so, but I think the in terms of being regular with you know, just social catch-ups, um, think it it helps when you have friends outside of work especially with friends outside of the industry because mm-hmm. you can really switch off and not talk about work not talk about what's happening in finance yeah. and just talk about just random yeah. random things right. with your friends um 
So I carve out time for that, you know, not every weekend, because sometimes mm. I use the weekend just to sleep, to be yeah, honest. Fair, I, I just, <laughs> just to wake up at like at 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I use, so I always try to carve out time and like be intentional with mm. making plan with your friends. And when you actually meet with them, I try not to look at my phone, for example, yes. like simple things like that. Yeah. And then in terms of social with like um, family, um, and my partner, I think we, we try to find hobbies that are like overlapping ah, that, um, that we can yeah. do together. Because um, then it's good because then you can do your hobbies, which mm-hmm. is something that you enjoy. And then you can spend time with someone mm-hmm. that you like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, we run together most awesome. of the time. Um, yeah. Three times a week, I think we run. We don't actually talk to each other that much because <laughs> we probably pre-guess by then. Um, but it's just nice. You know, you feel like you get the health being tick and then you get the social being tick as well. Right. Then you're done with that in the morning. Then you go and do and tick the other one, which is your career. So yeah. that that's how I balance the three. I think. Wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Like I, there's so much to learn from that. So much to take away. I love the concept of a triangle. I'm definitely gonna yeah, start yeah. implementing that in my own life. Yeah, but then it. with the triangle, if you can't achieve three at the same time, it's fine. Like yeah. <laughs> I think it's just really difficult to get three at a time. But mm. yeah, it's just being just being mindful that that's all the three that you have to attend to to get yeah. that balance yeah, yeah. no awesome <laughs> thank you um i went off script so let me go back to what questions i had for you um i did want to ask so you obviously do have your law background and law degree even though you're not working in the field has that still been an asset uh, within the finance and banking sectors like where you've had the roles at kpmg flagstar yeah so um so i think Maybe just a real life example. Actually, we last week said or two weeks ago, um, we just completed a transaction. So we advised Auckland Council in New Zealand. They had um eighteen percent shareholding in Auckland International Airport. Okay. So the whole um shareholding of eighteen percent was worth two point two billion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to sell. Half of it, so they decided to sell seven percent of it, so that mm-hmm. was worth eight hundred thirty million. Mm-hmm. Um, so we advised them on that, and we closed the transaction two weeks ago. And in terms of my role, again, there was a, we provided a lot of advice paper. Um, mm-hmm. We advised them on the execution design process of what the transaction could be achieved in via what mm-hmm. process. There's a lot of like agreements as well being drafted by the lawyers that. Um, we had to comment on on commercial perspectives, so not right. really like the words itself. You know, yeah. like this like big the words that the yeah, big yeah, words yeah, that lawyers yeah. use. It's not you know, we had to use the scenario as well. Like, what does it actually mean? <laughs> but we like get we put comments through on how does it work commercially? Like, if you read these words, how will it apply on real life scenario and like hypothetical scenarios? Um, do you think you should add like another subplot point, for example, mm. to um, cover scenarios where this or that might happen? So I think that's how I use my law degree okay. and my law skill. And also at the same time as well, with law, you read a lot. And yeah. like, I think you yeah. read hundreds of pages every day. Yeah. It helps with just processing just like you know getting up to speed with materials quite quickly Mm -hmm. um so in investment banking sometimes when you have a new client for example or you got brought on to a new project there will be heaps of stuff you have to read in advance to get educated um whether that's like annual reports or broker Mm -hmm. reports and things like that so yeah just fast reading fast (laughs) uh, fast and efficient reading um 
providing summaries, um, analyzing a problem. I think with um, I'm not sure whether you have a lot of law listeners out there, mm. but with um, our legal skills, the way that we write essays, it's always with this structure. It's called IRAC. So okay. I R A C. I'm probably going to get this wrong. Do you remember but what it stands for? <laughs> I is issue, okay. R is rule, A is application, okay. and C is conclusion. There you go. Wonderful. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know because I did that for three years, yeah. every single time. Um, so that structure, I still use that until now. Like That's when amazing. I, when someone asks me a question, I would then reply with like, so let me clarify your issue. This is mm. your issue. The rule is not really legal rules, but you know, rules like corporate finance theories, for mm. example, or this is how you calculate something, this is how you value something. So that's that would be the rules. And then you apply that knowledge, that's the application to the particular scenario, and then what's right. the conclusion? I find that that's like a really that's good awesome. way to like structure an answer yeah. usually. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we've definitely heard of the STAR method in like interview prep and like other kind of, you know, mm, how to answer similar? questions. That's so, that's similar. Right, and right, I, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm also going to take that one on, Rika. <laughs> I think I've said that like a couple of times now, but I love that. Um, and I guess touching on your experience at KPMG a little bit. So, Working at Big Four M and A, and then going to a boutique investment bank like Flagstaff, mm. um, you obviously have that's you know a consideration. A lot of listeners, students want to make, they want to work in a field, but sometimes it's hard to be like, well, the field's the same. So what's the key difference? Yeah. What firm I work at? So drawing on your experience, how what was the difference between the two firms while you were doing comparable yeah. tasks? So with investment banking, I think, or corporate finance. You obviously have bulge bracket where mm-hmm. it's like a full surface. You have ECM, you have DCM, you have corporate finance advisory. Flex stuff is um, we only do corporate finance advice. Okay. Um, I think our um, I think our website says like we only do advice and we actually do really well in advice or something like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, um, so we don't have a balance sheet in a sense of we don't actually underwrite anything like in an ECM transaction, okay. but we will give advice on how to structure it, who 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 you should engage. Um, so it's all about advice for us. Um, and with like M and A transaction as well, we obviously can act as buy side and sell side advisor as well. Okay. Um, now it's, I think flex stuff in terms of that is probably then similar to Big Four where mm. they don't underwrite anything, so we don't yeah. they don't have a balance sheet. So it's all about advice. Um, I think the main difference would be obviously for for graduates, for example, with Big Four you are usually part of a really big graduate cohort um, because big four firms were higher in audit and higher in consulting various you know work streams um so in that sense you make a lot of friends from Mm. that because they have a lot of activities i think they have camping or training so it's fun it's fun in a sense um in terms of investment banking at least i think for flex stuff we typically hired you know, two to four grads every year. Gotcha. Um, so you you do still have friends that, mm. you know, you grew up with, I mm-hmm. guess, in the firm. But obviously it's a smaller scale than, you know, Big Four where they hire like a thousand graduates, yeah. for example, every yeah. year. Um, in terms of the work itself, I think when I was at Big Four, um, at KPMG, they were really strong in consumers and retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of their clients... Um, are like um, mid to large sort of private company gotcha. um, 
I think maybe um, size-wise, you know, I think they they did the culture king um, deal. So that I think that that's, yeah. that's probably a good indicator of mm. the size that you probably look at at um, sort of a big four firm. Mm-hmm. Um, then at flag stuff, um, our clients are mostly listed companies yep. uh, in the ASX, um, and that came through you know our senior um, people like our chairman, CEO. Um, and senior advisors have a lot of these relationships that they've built throughout the years because mm. they have worked in various places at different with um, with different places. Mm-hmm. Um, then they built these relationships, and that's how we got our clients because of you know being trusted as their advisor essentially. Yeah. So that's how we got a lot of listed clients. Gotcha. Um, we that itself is slightly different for like analysts and associates because when you list it there's a lot more disclosures that you can Mm. get in the market and there's a lot more disclosures more alerts that you need to be aware of Mm -hmm. um whereas with private company there's not a lot of information out there sometimes they lodge the financial information sometimes they don't Mm. um so pros and cons you Mm. have more information you have less information but more information means more that you need to be across Mm-hmm. Um, but also helps because you don't have to find that, you know, like dig through a lot yeah. of different various yeah. channels to find them. Um, I think what I like about Flex stuff is that one, the caliber of clients and two, the variety of work. So mm-hmm. I think obviously we do M&A as well as what we, what I just described, which is like more of like an ECM capital markets sort of deals. Um, so I think that would be the main difference. I would say like the type of clients as well as the variety of work, I think. Yeah. Wow, no, that's a really comprehensive overview. That makes sense. It really distinct distinguishes the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess too, we're nearly at the conclusion. So, looking back at your whole journey, um, you know, trying things out, learning what you learned, ups and downs through it all. Now, being at Flagstaff, would you have done anything differently if you'd gone back? Would you have maybe joined an investment banking grad program from the get go? Would you go through it's it all again? It's actually a really good question because a lot of people at Flagstaff, actually, not a lot, I would say a mix of people would have gone from different careers and okay. then yeah. ended up at Flagstaff right. and half of them would come from you know the traditional Straight. pathway yeah. graduate internship graduate and then all the way up um I think it if you really know that investment banking is the one for you and you got an internship enjoyed that experience mm-hmm. I think it's good to do that from mm-hmm. from the start because um you get um a lot of training done and it's quite structured yes it looks like it's there's a lot of hierarchy in mm. banking but it's not for no reason okay. i think the hierarchy actually protects that layers um so that people have different la- different levels of accountability so when you start as a graduate you're in a really safe space to like just learn you know every you get all the resources from different people from different okay. levels to help you learn um so it's a good way whereas when i transferred across laterally yes i had that you know restructuring and m experience mm-hmm. um but i think transferring across is a bit of like a steep learning curve oh, okay. um because you just you're more you're expected to get it quicker i think i understand yeah. um there's no there's no right i mean it just depends on where things take you so as i said right. if you know you like it do it yeah but if you feel like you're not sure you can try different things first and then you can always come back to it awesome awesome 
Nice. And last question, standard mm. question. Are there any books, resources, podcasts, anything mm. you're listening to or reading to right now that you would like to recommend to our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> actually, um, I wish that I could actually recommend anything <laughs> for you. But you know what I actually would, would say is that I, uh, in terms of reading, we we do read a lot of newspapers okay um because and that's usually the first thing that we do when we come in the office we Mm -hmm. just look at like what's happening um in australia as well as around the world Mm -hmm. um it's good for work uh it's also good for just your your knowledge um that's what i would do i think that's uh i would recommend i'm not sure if you can get access to like financial review from bailey somewhere I believe we have a uh, copy somewhere lying around university right? like links that like portals yes, you can go yes. through and access the yeah. AFR and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I would recommend even if you don't have a lot of time, just look at the cover page because that would be the most important. That would be what everybody would know. Yeah, yeah. Um, then just skim through the headings, um, and then if something just catches your attention, look into it further. Um, but in terms of outside of that, I just when I go home, I want to switch off. So. Yeah. I don't really actually read anything, you know, fancy or anything yeah. important. I think what I usually do is I enjoy watching cooking channels, nice. even though I don't cook. <laughs> <laughs> and randomly, I like watching um, interior interior design videos. I, yeah, just randomly. So good. Yeah. Architectural Digest is like probably uh, my favorite. Yes. It's such a good like just yeah. turn off, and you're just visually pleasing. Yeah, there's a new channel on YouTube. It's called Stack, I think. Okay. So they focus on. <laughs> apartments i think they're probably based in singapore or something nice. so they, they focus on a lot of like this refurbishments of apartments awesome. it's just nice to just like switch <laughs> off and just like look at something completely separate and different to your work i think that's that's what i find at least i love it i absolutely <laughs> love it oh my god well that brings us to the end of this podcast thank you so so much Rika, no for coming along and sharing all your tips it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um and yeah i feel like we've really gotten to know you on a personal and on a on a career level and so many so many good insights for everyone to take away from certainly for me so thank you so much and thank you guys for listening we'll see you guys next week for the next pod bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Bow Talks. Please do follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Banking on Women. Thank you, everyone. Bye.